0: We're writing the code, we're scanning it. We're opening a PR, we're scanning it. Everything is integrated into the development process. And this is something that we use in the day-to-day. And the fact that we are more security-minded, the developers become more security-minded is a huge part of DSAM because we want the developers to open to a new, to a new area, right? It's not just learning Python or learning JavaScript. It's also be able to understand security, right? We have more responsibility Infrastructure is code is something that developers are responsible for now.
1: Welcome to the DevSec for Scale podcast, the show that makes security a first-class citizen for growing companies. Welcome back to the DevSec for Scale podcast. I'm Jeremy Hess, and with me today is a special guest, Raz Probsten, and she is a solution engineer at JIT, a really cool company. For those who remember a little bit about this podcast, well, might remember that my second podcast guest ever was David Malamed, the CTO of JIT and we had a fantastic conversation there all about what JIT does and how their model works and how they uh, run their business so uh, really really cool technology so Raz before we get into you and what you're doing at JIT today let's jump right into maturity models so give us a little bit of a background what DSOM is and why maturity models are important
0: Hi Jeremy first of all I want to say that I'm glad to be here Great to have you. <laughs> DSOM is the OS DevSecOps maturity model. It really helps companies uh, benchmark themselves to other companies in the industry. Helps us understand where we are from a security perspective. And you know, maturity is, is it's a big word. Uh, big word. But when a company grows, you want to see that the, the security that what they implement is growing as well. And they're important because they can really help. Make a difference throughout the entire organization, no matter what your role is. So it doesn't matter if you're a developer, if you're a CISO, or you uh, you're a VP engineering. Using maturity models, it can really help you make a difference. It can really help you identify areas that you want to automate stuff because automation is important. You it really helps you you know translate to the leadership because you want to be able to come forward and say, I'm doing this. I want to improve. This is what what I need in order to improve. This is super important because Usually, it's very difficult for us to find the the common language to explain those stuff to non-technical leadership personas, and we need to be able to do that. Without it, we cannot grow, and the engineering cannot communicate what they need. So this is uh, some of the stuff that maturity models could really help us. And DSOM is OWASP DevSecOps uh, maturity model, which is super different from the other uh, maturity models out there.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that. And this is also following up on the talk that you gave at OWASP's uh, AppSec IL uh, conference uh, not too long ago from when we're recording this. So it's great to have that connection. If anybody wants to check that out, they can check that out on the uh, OWASP AppSec IL page. I'm sure they'll find uh information about it there. And if they want to reach out, of course, they can find your slides. We'll figure out a way to get them slides if they're interested. Yeah. Um, or maybe we'll put a link down below in the description as well. That would be cool. So we'll do that. Now now we have a, a basic understanding of what DSOM is, why maturity models are important. Let's go back to you, Raz. Give us a little bit of a background on who you are, what you're doing today, and you know, what interests you.
0: Okay, so I started at JIT as a full stack engineer. So I have an engineering background. I've been a full stack engineer for many years. Um, And then I decided to do a shift and kind of go uh, to a different direction because I think that the customers and the interaction is super important to me. And I want to be a part of this and I want to be able to see what I develop from a different perspective, which is incredible to me to see how people are reacting to the product. Um, Studying my first degree. My bachelor's in science in uh, biotechnology, uh, which is super important. And I think that uh, this is what I, uh, something that I want to do in the future. But in the meantime, security is, uh, is my passion and customers. I'm customer obsessed.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Great. So let's go back to maturity models. There obviously are quite a few of them. Uh, and let's start off by just discussing what other maturity models are out there.
0: Great. So the first one is NIST. Uh, I talked about it in my, my talk as well. NIST is some sort of similar in the way that it's constructed because it has this uh, circular pattern. But NIST is also quick to, quick to say, no, we're not a maturity model, but <laughs> it sure does look like one. And we have CMI. CMI is, is really what you used to see from, from maturity uh, models. It's really levels you see one through five. And we have CSA, which is similar to CMI, but they are specific to cloud security. If we're comparing it to CMI, then CMI did not really do a lot of translation in their model because we we have to to put a lot of effort from our side to kind of understand where we are in those levels. It's one through five. What the first one is initial. What what does initial mean to me? How can I measure my company? But Cloud Security Alliance did add some translation, but specific for cloud security, which is incredible, but it's not quite suitable for the DevSecOps perspective that we're looking. And then we have OWASP SAM. OWASP SAM, again, it's it's a bit too rigid. It's more flexible and more descriptive than the other maturity models that we see, but it's still still too, too rigid for us. We want something that is flexible, that is agile, that it can be, you know, Changeable. We want something to fit the market. The industry is constantly changing and we want to change as well without losing where we are now.
1: Great. Yeah, of course. And so that brings us obviously to the next question, which is what makes DSOM different than the rest of the models out there?
0: Well, as I said, DSOM is more agile. It has like a bullseye shape with those dimensions, and the dimensions are not know related to each other right because you can be at maturity level four in I don't know test and verification dimension and you can be in maturity level one in implementation dimension it's very agile and you can find yourself there and the the fact that it constructed like this and the fact that it's you know it's levels that are building and specific for DevSecOps perspective you can really find yourself in that and this is super important for a company because it usually takes a lot of effort to understand where we are now and how we, how we want to get to the, the, the end goal, right? To be uh, at the best maturity uh, posture, right? So this Absolutely. is what DSM provides that other maturity models does not provide.
1: Yeah, so it enables you to be a little bit more flexible with how you look at which level of security, yeah, and- you know, which level you're at, and then at which level of maturity within that dimension. So you don't have to follow one dimension, finish everything in that level. Then you're yeah. like, okay, we're ready now to go on to the next thing. You can do things in exactly. parallel. You could have multiple teams working yeah, on multiple process. parts.
0: And, you know, if we're looking at, at the CMI, which I said there, there are levels, okay, now there is something changing in the, ind- in the industry, right? We have to implement another phase of security. So then it means that we have to go down in the levels because maybe this layer of security is between three and four. So now from five, we're back to three. And it could be very frustrating. And also one incredible differentiator is that the fact that DSOM was built for developers and all the dimensions there are built for software development processes. This helps us to integrate and, you know, Make the developers part of implementing security in the organization, which is something that is super important for modern dev organization. We don't want to have a security team that all it does is you know implementing security in the company. We want the developers to take part of that, just like when developer is, is writing his own test. Right? It's it's common for modern organizations to to work like that.
1: So yeah. So that, does that mean that? Some of the other frameworks and models that, that are out there are really focused on like security engineers that are doing less development, but more, for example, endpoint security and, and things like that. Yeah.
0: It's called the, the DevSecOps maturity model, right? it's, it's Dev is yeah. right there that it's basically built by uh, Timo Pagel that built this model. He built it with a simple realization that he does not have a way to measure how his company, to rate his company from a security perspective, but using developers, right? Using those development processes, because this is a huge part. This is most of the work in organization in modern organization, because you know developers are writing code, and it pushed and deployed to production several times a day. It's not like it, it used to be. And we need to make sure that the entire process, the development process is part of it. And this is why the DevSecOps perspective here is different. There is no other DevSecOps maturity model.
1: Got it. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that makes it pretty significant and uh, very important for the industry. So what are, what are some ways that the difference in DSOM shows up in, let's say, day to day work? For example, I'm sure you talk about implementing it at JIT as well. What are some of the ways that shows up in the work that you're doing?
0: So first of all, the integration of security tools into the development process is a huge aspect here. We scan our code on it on the go, right? On the fly. We're writing the code, we're scanning it. We're opening a PR, we're scanning it. Everything is integrated into the development process. And this is something that we use in the day-to-day. And the fact that we are more security-minded, the developers become more security-minded, is a huge part of DSOM because we want the developers to open to a new to a new area, right? It's not just learning Python or learning JavaScript. It's also be able to understand security, right? We have more responsibility. Infrastructure as code is something that developers are responsible for now. You know, before you used to have like IT guys building the framework, or you have the the, the DevOps people constructing the cloud. But now that we have infrastructure as code, the developer is touching everything in in his hands, right? So he has responsibility to make sure everything is covered. And this is super important. And when you use it in the day-to-day and when you scan your code and the developers are learning about security in the development process, this is what you know, makes, makes everything different.
1: And specifically with your team or the, the teams That's that it. you work with at JIT, how are you guys actually sort of rating yourselves and coming up with sort of what's the next step?
0: So we use our platform on, you know, on ourselves. We're the first customers of, uh, of JIT. And we constantly checking where we are in the PR. You know, we have JIT scans the code and we get security review, just like we get CR from our peers. We get security review, which is the way to become more security minded. And velocity is super important to us because we don't want to hurt the, the pace Right? that the developers are working. We're a modern organization. We wanna deploy faster, we wanna make the product grow faster. And by using JIT in our day-to-day work, we see that as we go. And we also have our own VS Code extension. We're using that as well, that scans the code while we're writing it. We have the pre-commit checks enabled. We have branch protection enabled that if, we find, if JIT finds any security findings on our code, It cannot be merged this is something that is super important and you know expanding this we have a great CISO we have a great leadership uh, from the technology, technology perspective that cares about security because this is a security company they keep implementing more and more and more capabilities into the platform and we're adding more capabilities to JIT that covers us from you know a lot more areas right we added GitHub misconfiguration detection, which is another level of security. We want to make sure that the organization itself is secured. other than the code. I'm not writing hard-coded secret. We need to make sure everything is covered.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, and that's the, we actually didn't talk about the technology that uh, JIT has has built. So do you want to give, while we're here, a quick uh, short intro to what JIT actually does, the product?
0: So Jit is an open DevSecOps orchestration platform. We're helping modern dev organization own their security without hurting the dev velocity. We're integrating, we're not just integrating, we're helping the security teams to integrate a lot of security controls and tools into the development process to the entire life cycle without them to actually need to do the research to implement and configure everything is in JIT with a click of a button you can activate a lot of checks that covers all the layers of your uh, of your application and your product and the the main thing uh, the main thing that we focus here is work by developers for developers the dev experience is super important to us this is why DSOM was one of the first thing that we we looked at so we have a dev experience that does not require the developer to leave his natural environment. The developer does not have to go and search for a solution or um, to understand the vulnerabilities that we find. We help them in GitHub, in the PR, in this process to make sure everything is uh, is secured before it's uh, it's pushed and merged and deployed to production, which is a lot of time saver.
1: (laughs) Which is where DSUM and JIT sort of really work hand in hand. So you can almost see where you are on the maturity model, just by using JIT, by figuring out, by JIT telling you where sort of like you have issues, vulnerabilities, where you're secure, all that, you already have almost like a report ready to go where it says, okay, well, here's where we are. And here's the stuff we need to fix and, and get better at.
0: Yeah. We also provide this kind of report because we want to understand the security posture. The company wants to see where she is now. And basically, by using JIT, you covered most of um, because we keep adding those capabilities. To fit those kind of areas, and this also has a, a compliance aspect, and we also help with that. So basically, we help companies to become more, uh, more mature from a security perspective yeah. and DevSecOps perspective.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, so, going back to more of the you know. Day to day of of working and trying to mature your security model. What are what are some of the quick wins that developers can get from Dsom and who should sort of lead the implementation of these various uh, endeavors?
0: Well, that's a good question. Uh, it has two parts. So the quick wins that we see is we're definitely learning. As a developer, you you are thirsty to knowledge, right? You, you want to learn and, and uh, expand and your capabilities. And the fact that you're learning about security because it's part of your life cycle from the very beginning, th- that's a huge benefit, right? You want to you want to learn more. And who should lead this? I think um, that it depends. As I said, it doesn't matter who you are and what's your position in the company. You can lead this because it. You're able to to do the translation to leadership here. I think that if it's a it's a small company, then probably the CISO or the VP Engineering and CTO, they're building the the dev organization. It's very small at the beginning, and most likely they're a part of it, right? They're writing code. They're part of the development process. They can lead this. But in you know, larger organization, I think that even the 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 developers can start something like this because if a need to become more secure is, is coming from the developers, they can actually do it because this is part of their life cycle. It's their life that we need to change in some matter. So it, it really depends on the company and you know, on the culture and culture and organization is, is, one, is, a, is a, one of the dimensions in DSAM because the culture is super important. You want to be able to, to implement security and it's super easy when the organization is is more open to it. And I think that another quick win that I just now uh thought about is when you fix those vulnerabilities before it's in production for us as developers it's it's a huge time saver, right? So it's really you know it's really for us to implement security into the development process because once it's in production we have to waste our time. Go search where the finding is exactly ease and search for a solution for that. And then you have to, to write the code to fix it. Open up your get us get a review. Again, testing, everything circling back to the beginning. So it's basically you're doing the development process twice and sometimes even more because you don't find all the security vulnerabilities at the first, uh, at the first try because you are not implementing VSAM. Again, it's it's time waster and we don't want to waste time and developers are running fast. We want to pu- push everything as fast as we can. So yeah, sure. I think that all of us can implement this and start this and it has a lot of benefits through, throughout the, the entire organization.
1: Great. So can you actually give us a, a bit of an introduction to sort of the levels of DSOM just on a very basic level, nothing too deep and defined, but just sort of, you know, what, what are the basic levels of maturity within DSOM and you know how do yeah. you kind of work on those?
0: So DSOM is constructed by dimensions, as I said. So you have build and deployment dimension, you have culture and organization, you have implementation, information gathering, and test and verification. Within those dimensions, we have sub-dimensions, right? So for example, build build and deployment, we have build and deployment as subdimension. And within each of those subdimensions, we have the maturity levels. So we have one, two, four. And I know now they added uh, another maturity level, but it, they kind of broken down the first, uh, the the fourth one to to uh, f- uh, five and four. But it's basically the same. And you have to climb up in each of those subdimensions. You have to reach those maturity levels uh, for each one of those subdimension. And it's really good because. We kind of break things to, to little bricks and you you build a road, um, you know, slowly and step by step. And as I said, those dimensions, they cover a lot, right? You know, maturity models out there, culture and, uh, and organization is not part of it. And test and verification could be a part of it, but it's not as wide as we see in DSOM. And, you know, information gathering, this is super important. And we don't see a lot of maturity models that pay attention to those areas in a, in a company, in an organization, and they're important. It's not just Absolutely. building and deployment.
1: Absolutely. So the next thing I want to ask is more practical, even more practical, specifically within JIT. How did you operationalize DSOM at JIT?
0: So we looked at it in a kind of way that we have to keep things simple. Because if you will go to, to the DSUM page at OWASP, You will see that it has a lot of text with a lot of buzzwords. And we have to keep it simple. It cannot be more complicated. We need to understand and build a certain flow to to go over things. And the flow that we've built is for each maturity level, we're looking at the risk. We need to understand what the risk is here. And then we need to map this into security requirements. We need to build those action items that we have to take. Those action items, then we need to translate some sort of translate to the matching tools we need to find the, the best tools for the mission which is probably the the, the most fun part in uh, implementing DSAM. and then we have to test everything so this is a flow that makes everything a little bit more simple and kind of easy to understand and we can follow this flow across all dimensions and all all the levels.
1: well what's an example let's say of, of one of those flows and how you actually um, you know implemented it
0: so let's take you know implementation dimension which is is one of the dimension and let's um, dive into the first sub-dimension which is application hardening so for maturity level one you'll see i'll I'll tell you now what it says and it's super you know buzzwordy, right it says from a security from a software requirement perspective you need to have high level application security objectives that are mapped to functional requirements this is, this is a lot to take. It's not as easy to understand. But then we thought, what, what is the risk here? And the risk is that data and code can be stolen from the application. Then we need to prevent stealing of any data or code from the application. And now we have to translate it to the action items, right? We have the, the, the risk, we understand it. And we need to think about it this way. So, from from you know the code scanning part here is that we need to scan the code for vulnerabilities. This is one action item that we see, and the second one is that we need to scan code for hard coded secrets. So we have two action items, but for maturity level one for the for the application hardening, they broke it down to kind of two areas, right two two work streams. So we have the software requirements that I've just now talked about, and we have the supplier security, and it's not that surprising that we see supplier security work stream be separated into a different one because we see a lot of supply chain attacks and DSOM took this into consideration so from a supplier uh, requirements perspective we have again this big big words here we need to evaluate the supplier based on their organization's security requirements and we need here basically the 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 top of the action item is we need to scan all the code libraries and we need to update them constantly and have the vulnerabilities remediated. So this is kind of where we see that we need to prevent, you know, supply chain attacks. And the first step to do this is to scan all the, the libraries, all the code libraries. And we need to to break this down into even a more specific action item. And the action item here is that we need to have codependencies vulnerabilities scan. So we have these three action items for maturity level one at application hardening sub-dimension from implementation dimension. Then we have scan code for vulnerabilities. We need to scan the code for hard-coded secrets, and we need to scan the codependencies code for vulnerabilities. Now we need to find the best tools for, for, this, for this mission, right? And I'm going to share the, the, um, some of uh, examples of the open source tools that we use because we value open source. This is a community power. So, Uh, For code scanning for for, uh, vulnerabilities, we're using Gosec for Go, we're using Samgrep for Python, Java, JavaScript, TypeScript, Kotlin, C Sharp, and Scala. And for the dependency scanning, we're using OSP scanner for Python and PHP, we're using Nancy for Go, and we're using NPM audit for everything that is JavaScript based. And the last one is the hard-coded secret detection. And for this one, we use GitLix, which has support for multiple languages. So this was kind of an example of how you can break this down and start small, you know, understanding the risk. We know what we want to prevent this specific subdimension, We see those two work streams that we have to, to activate the flow for both of them. And then once we understand the risk, we need to, to build the, those action items and we've built them. So we had those three. And then we mapped the tools to match them. And at the end, we're, we're testing everything, right? So this is kind of a way to break this down, to do it step-by-step step, and for it to not be overwhelming because it can be overwhelming implementing security in the, in the organization.
1: That's really great. So the last question that I have to cap off the podcast episode, is something that I ask to all of my guests, and that is, what are one or two tips that developers can use today that can help them be more secure without imposing too much on their development time?
0: So first of all, I think that we, as, a, as, as developers, should not be afraid of security. We need to evolve, and the industry is evolving, and we, we, we should not be afraid to learn and to understand security. It's, uh, it's not as difficult as it sounds. So this is the first thing. And I think that you know one thing that I can do with just adding it in one second is, is adding extensions to, to the VS code, right? If they're writing a VS code, then use ours. <laughs> I encourage you to do that. But really, just using those extensions in the ID, this is a game changer. It's while you're writing the code. You see it on the fly this is the first thing, and it's not costing you a lot of time and money, you know, starting using security tools. And the final the final thing here is that as developers, we need to encourage our leadership and our team leads and the VP engineering to implement security into the to the development processes. This is something that has to come from the bottom up, right? Because if we need this, if we say that. Our life would be much easier while implementing security to our life cycle. This is what's going to take to start, you know, running and to get it, to get uh, to get things started. Because it's not easy for us as developers. The, the thing that is waiting us most is security teams chasing developers, running, uh, you know, running around. Please fix this. This is this is what's causing all the pain. This is the friction, and. We as a developer, as developers, we need to encourage the leadership to implement the security tools and the security checks to to our life cycle.
1: Fantastic. Raz, thank you so much for everything. This was a really, thank really you. interesting podcast and uh, I encourage everybody to go and look at the slides, which they can find in the description um, of this podcast episode and uh, to all of the fans and people who listen and watch the show, stay secure.